Okay, guys, we're going to start out this episode a little bit differently. Um, as you guys know, Saturday uh, was the 20-year um, anniversary of the 9-11 Twin Tower terrorist attack. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to do two minutes of dead air time, just a moment of silence for those lives that have lost. And so here we go, and then we're going to get on with the uh, normal show. All right. Thank you guys for taking that moment of silence with me. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. Welcome to the HodgePodge podcast. I'm your host as always, Dylan Hodge, but you guys already know that I am on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. You can go follow the podcast as well on Instagram at the HodgePodge podcast. We've been silent over there for a long time. <laughs> I always promise myself that I will uh, get back on there and start posting again, but it's just obviously I have the time to do it. It's just, I never get around to doing it. I always say, okay, at this time I'm going to do it. And then I just, I forget. So maybe we should just stop that all together, delete the, <laughs> the podcast account and just go with my uh, personal account, which is also called, uh, on the name is the hodgepodge podcast. So I don't really know why we have to, <laughs> but let's get down to business, man. Um, I don't really have nothing much to talk about, but I do want to talk about um, the guest for today, and the guest for today is Minnie Murphy, and Minnie Murphy is talking about, you know, starting to sing on stage with her father while studying piano with her mom, um, she's also chatting about touring with her dad, and why that gave her the opportunity to sign a record deal at such a young age, and then having the record deal fall through, um, she talks about finding inspiration through her half-sister, which is Jamie O'Neill, the Australian country singer, 
Um, it's cool because she chats about appearing on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno with her sister, Jamie O'Neill, as a background singer. Um, you know, and, and then she talks about her, her rough year of 2018 of, of facing personal struggles, which she gets really um, personal about on the podcast. I didn't expect it to um, her really talk about it because I've never really heard her or read anything about her talking about, you know, her drug and alcohol abuse and stuff like that. But she chats about that and having a baby in 2020 and how that changed everything where she was like, I got, I, I have to clean up. And it's cool because, and I find a lot of people now, a lot of people are going to find this interview very annoying. You know how people are. They're going to hate on everything. I found it very funny. I found it hilarious. And I also found it very, very real. So in the podcast, you're going to hear or my chat with Minnie Murphy, you're going to hear <laughs> her kid. <laughs> you're going to hear the kid. You're going to, if you're watching on YouTube, she changes a diaper. Obviously, you don't see that, but you, you, she's obviously changing the diaper. It is a cool, real podcast that I decided, you know what? I'm not going to delete anything. I'm going to leave it all in as is, and I'm going to say, screw it, and let's do it like it is because I would usually take the stuff out or I would, you know, in stuff like that, but you know, I loved it so much, and I found it so funny, and it's just never happened to me before where this has happened, and I've never heard on any other podcast, so I left it in there, and so it's a great, it's a great podcast about that. She's also uh, finally talking about her song, uh, her new single, "Get Over It," um, and why that was not the song to initially release. And it is the lead track, lead track off her new LP called Evergreen, which is releasing later this year. Um, so without further ado, let's go over right now to my guest at this time, Minnie Murphy. Yes, yes. Hey, how you doing, Minnie? <laughs> nice to meet you. You too. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and doing this. I know uh, I know our friend Rachel. Uh, thanks set, for having me. I know our friend Rachel set this up, so um, I'm very appreciative always of, of of Rachel and those people over there at Aristo. Oh yeah, they're great. <laughs> so Minnie, how is uh, yeah? How's your week been? It's been good. Yeah, I mean, we've had some family stuff going on that's been kind of hard, but that's life. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, uh, but yeah, everything's everything's good. How have you been? Same. I've been working hard, working long hours. Uh, so same. It's just been crazy the past. Since the pandemic has kind of let down a little bit, it's, yeah. just, it's just been constant going, going, going. So... Yeah, it's a lot of catch up and reconnecting. But you know, doing doing these podcasts because I never do them in person. I always do them via Zoom or stuff like that. Just because I'm just in a different state than a lot of other people, and so 
that was never really a problem for me doing the podcast. But now when I'm playing catch up, it's like, okay, now you have to get these people that you booked quicker because they're going back on tour quicker. And it's just like, you had all the time in the world for six to nine months. And then now it's just like, yeah. oh shit, you better go ahead. You better <laughs> <Yeah. get it. laughs> so your last name is, is Hodge. That's right. It's so funny because uh, my fiance and I, we call each other Hodge and Hodge and say, I'm Hodge. No, you're, you're Hodge. I'm Podge. And we always go back and forth on who's Hodge and Podge. And then he's a mechanic. And so we call our garage hodgepodge garage <laughs> what what what's what's the significance between hodge and podge what is that a nickname for you guys um just because we're into so many different things and we're just a hodgepodge of of different things you know <laughs> that's the same with me that's so. why the that's why the podcast is what it is and just because it's not one specific thing it's thirty thousand different things you know that's cool. I can't wait to dig into the archives and listen to your podcast. I, I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but yeah, because Johnny and I, we were, we actually had an idea, Hodgepodge podcast. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my gosh, I have an interview with a Hodgepodge podcast that already exists. It's like, <laughs> so funny. Well, it's I just funny how the universe works like that. I promise you, you're not going to be anywhere. Uh, you're not going to be surprised at how awful the podcasts are <laughs> oh no I, I like i'm not simple i'm not professional i just get on here and i just shoot shit with a lot of people and then some people like i it, love that some people don't but you know it is what it is yeah i have a friend that does that and it just feels like a it feels like you're reading his diary he has no plan he just he's just mm -hmm. like hey wednesday night here's what happened today and it's like <laughs> it's so intimate and interesting so well, I just you don't like, have to have all the bells and whistles. I just like to see the different side of people that other people don't see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I love that. I do have notes here and we're going to go over some of them, but it's just, I, I think it's total boring if you get the same people on that have done 30,000 plus interviews and you already know what they're going to say to every question. Because, and that's, I don't write questions for that reason because it's just, you know what they're going to say. So why even be prepared right. for it, you know? Yeah, I dig that, yeah. I think probably a lot of people get nervous and so they just have like answers ready to go. <laughs> but that, that is a, um, is that your uh, recording studio behind you or is that just a room, room in your house? Well, this is my kitchen actually. Oh wow, um, shit. It's a big mess, talk about hodgepodge. <laughs> We've had a lot of chaos going on lately, but yeah, it's clutter everywhere. But then, yeah, I just got my, you know, stereo and my guitar and the, my piano and my books and stuff. And my little boy. <laughs> how old, how old my is My little he? boy, he's, he's a year and a half. Okay. And he just threw his strawberry on the floor. But this is what builds the immune system. There you go. <laughs> so... I'm gonna. Oh. And so, he threw it on the floor again. So before you had him, uh, I, I read that you were going through a lot of uh, personal struggles. So when you had him, 
why did those personal struggles just kind of disappear? Because I don't have kids, so I don't know if that's really true. If you have a kid and it makes all the problems go away. Well, it, it makes you get your shit together, you know? Okay. And I think that, you know, obviously problems don't go away, but your perspective changes about how precious life is. And, and um, it makes you think of yourself less, you know, because you, you got to put them first. And I think anything that does that, whether it's like volunteer work or, or just, you know, working on something, you know, creative, helping people, you know, and you get your mind off yourself. It's always a good thing. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, went through a lot with my fiance and I, I'm sorry, he's going to be screaming. I'm going to get him some, he likes this cinnamon raisin toast that might keep him quiet. <laughs> But anyway, um, do you need a minute? Because I, I can I can give you a minute if you need a minute. Let me just grab him this piece of toast and hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> Give me one second. All right, no problem. Take your time. I understand. It's a Pepperidge Farm cinnamon raisin. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah, um, Johnny and I, we, we've been together for about six years and uh, we had a miscarriage and went through a lot of grief and kind of numbed the pain with some drugs and stuff and we both had to go to rehab and it was really hard and then we came back together and and had phoenix and um and you know it's just been such a blessing that we were saved you know to get our lives back together and and um have a second chance at being parents and and uh so it just made me, a lot of people say that like when you have kids, um, you know, you got to give up your dreams and stuff. But for me, it was like really motivating. It, it made me want to leave something for him that he could, when he grows up, he could pull out an album and say, hey, that was my, that's mom and that's my mom. And, and then just leave an example to like never give up no matter how hard things get and no matter how old you are or, or how many times you've been told no, you know, just because I think like before I had Phoenix, um, I always felt like nothing was good enough, you know, and because I moved to Nashville, I had, I was a senior in high school and I'd been coming here writing with people during high school and I always knew I wanted to do music and, um, and uh, so I got a record deal my senior year in high school. And I just, you know, was really naive. I was like, I had all my acceptance speeches in my head, and, like stupid, like videos in my head. And, you know, like I just like had all these 
I mean, which is good, you know, to like think that way. But, you know, the deal fell apart because Sony merged with RCA and, and, um, you know, I just like um, lost my deal and kind of had a mental breakdown pretty early on, like, because we all moved here as a family. So everybody was counting on me, you know, and I was like, you know, 19 and, um, I just bought this house and, and then it was like, boom, it's all over. And, and what do I do? And I just started waiting tables and I felt all this shame, you know, and I just woke up sick every morning because literally like my brother and sister moved here with me and my mom and dad, and my mom was also signed and my dad was managing me. And it was like this big family deal. And, and it didn't work out because I was trying to do like, I've never wanted to be super mainstream. You know, I always wanted to do something that nobody heard before. And, and my dad is really country rock. And, and then of course my sister's Jamie O'Neill and, and, but even Jamie, she's got that R and B stuff too. And, and my mom kind of, turned me on to a lot of old blues and jazz and stuff. And she, she grew up in New Orleans and, and uh, or she lived in New Orleans, but she also lived in Texas and, and, and anyway, but so I had like this kind of like, and plus I grew up North of Seattle and I loved like, I just love all kinds of music. I love alternative grunge, indie, you know, the the old country and I do love new country too and, and then um you know I really love jazz I love improv I just love improv in general like like what you talk about with your show like not having a plan I feel like that's where the magic happens you know and, and so anyway that at that time with the Sony deal I had like an upright bass and I was playing piano and it was kind of like a Nora Jones country thing and then Nora Jones came out and it was like <laughs> it's funny how like sort of the um zeitgeist or the atmosphere the mainstream atmosphere people find pockets where they they can see like oh nobody nobody's done this or, or this is what sort of um people are feeling and, and you can kind of like you know, like, I guess at that time, it wasn't a lot of like stripped down production, you know? So I was really into that rootsy folky kind of stripped down jazzy country hybrid thing. I mean, it was everything from like Bjork to, you know, Western swing that I was trying to fuse in just like everything that I love, you know? And I think it was just kind of like, they were like, yeah, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> And so they dropped me and I kind of learned a lot because I was, it was kind of my way or the highway. Cause it was so strange for me moving to Nashville. Cause growing up in, in Bellingham, in Bellingham, Washington, you know, when I wanted to write, it was like usually at nighttime, you know, and raining or go to the piano. But, but Nashville is like, you get up and you have 10 a.m. You walk into a room with somebody you never met and 
and they're like, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm like, well, I grew up in Washington and, and you know, you're there and this person's had all these hits and, and they're like, all right, I'm 17 and I got a dream to move across America. <laughs> and I was just like <laughs> sitting in these rooms, like, you know, feeling, feeling kind of, feeling kind of weird about it, you know? And so, but um, now it's totally, it's a part of me and I understand what Music Row is, you know, and I love collaborating. Um, although I do, I really respect people that write on their own as well, but I don't even know where I'm going with all this. I feel like I'm running off on tangents, but uh, so, um, yeah, you know, it's like you just, you grow up and you have a bunch of different experiences. You meet a lot of people and um, it all kind of melds together, you know? And um, so after, after that deal not working out, and you can stop me at any time and ask a question or we can go, to, go on to something else, but um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of scatterbrained. But anyway, like, um, it was just off and on deals, you know, since I'm, I've been living here for 18 years and um, waiting tables and just trying to make sure I didn't lose my house and, and then like getting another deal that didn't work out and then playing piano bars, doing cover bands, going down on Broadway, working for tips, you know playing for free, whatever, you know, but um, I think, you know, it's just a lot of like, you know, paying your dues. And then this last, so basically I've had like, I've had two major record deals that where the music was never released. And so I developed a lot of insecurity about feeling like, and plus I had other projects, you know, like, uh, a punk rock thing that I never got finished and you know like a a, a total like uh, glam pop project that was never released and and then I was in like this sort of girl band that was sort of like, really raunchy and a lot of like cuss words and you know songs about you know what <laughs> sort of like um, you know, and just stuff that never really came out. And it was just all these different sides of myself, you know, and I think I just felt like I didn't, I didn't know who I was. And um, I, I just never felt like anything was good enough because the deals, it's just hard, you know, like there's so many people that go into it and sometimes somebody pulls the plug, you know, the, the person with all the money decides, you know what? Because it's kind of a sinkhole, you know, it's like you got to spend a lot of money and, and, and the music business has changed so much to where like that, that zeitgeist mainstream thing that where everybody was aware of, of everything and, and they could see like, as an artist, you could see like, oh, well, I want to talk about this because nobody's doing that. That's gone, you know, because everybody can listen to whatever they want to now. So we're not all exposed to the same thing as much as we used to be, you know what I mean? 
And so, um, and then there's been all that, you know, Napster. And, sorry. <laughs> Let me get this watermelon. You're okay. You're fine. Okay. But anyway, oh no, strawberry. Um. So. When I was in between deals, I'm gonna get him out of this <laughs> Now I, I managed, I managed to hold on to this house that I'm here in. And like, you know, Music Cares helped me. They paid my mortgage one year. Ah, stop. But like, you know, it was it's been really hard, you know. I didn't grow up with any money or anything, but um but I was waiting tables in between deals and and it was a really hard kind of like the boss was pretty mean there. He was like this Greek guy and he was like how do I put the bechamel on the side? You say you're sorry every fucking day. I was just like, I'm sorry for saying I'm sorry. <laughs> and like, anyway, so I was like, um, anyway, like, uh, I just said, you know what? I'm a songwriter and I'm going to go try to get another deal. And so I went up to Evergreen because Johnny Morris had asked me to sing songs and for for some of his catalog before and he wanted to sign me as an artist but I didn't want to be his artist and I, I just didn't know who I was at that point but but you know struggling to hold on and working multiple jobs at a time and stuff I I just you know I, I was like well I'm not gonna give up I'm gonna just try to get a deal as a writer and it worked out. And so I've been at Evergreen for the past like six or seven years now. I had no plan. It was like the first time I walked into a company without my dad managing me or, you know, without anybody's help. I just, I just walked in. It's like, Hey, I'd, can I write for you? <laughs> I didn't think about like how much money to ask for or whatever. I didn't even think he would say yes. And he was like, well, how much are you wanting? And I was just like, uh. <laughs> so I started off at like, just like a thousand dollars a month, you know, and um, you know, still, still working and gigging and, and just, you know, it's just always like kind of, it's a service is what my dad has always told me, you know, like, playing music. I mean, I always made up my mind that I wanted to make a living doing music. And to me, that's always been a blessing just to be able to like sing demos or be in a band or just be able to make my living doing that. Like somehow, you know, I don't care which way it is like play keyboards for somebody or, or, um, you know, being dance bands and wedding bands or just play local taverns around or, or, or write at a publishing company or, um, but like, uh, the evergreen deal was really good for me because it was another, there's another way for me to not be thinking about myself. 
you know, I, I was writing songs for other people and developing, getting better as a writer and just, and so I really, really enjoyed like getting the, the pitch list of like artists and what, seeing what songs they were looking for and the producers, we'd get these pitch lists, you know, like Jason Aldean is looking for a, a song like, you know, my kind of party. He's looking for another my kind of party song, you know, and um, no ballads or whatever. And so, or, or there'd be a girl artist like we want something kind of like the Dixie Chicks. And, and so, it was fun to just, um, you know, work on work on writing. You know, and thinking about thinking about other people instead of like swarming around in my own emotional, you know, junkyard, <laughs> which it still is. But but I think like also just get having my first deal as just a writer instead of an artist like um, made me more interested in language and just words and, and um, you know, Southern sayings or little idioms and like limericks and poetry and, and foreign languages and how there's not a word for certain things in certain languages, you know. Um, Whereas I used to be more about the music and I didn't really think too much about lyrics as, but um, it's just, there's so many things you can get into. And I think that's why I wanted to do music as a kid. It's like, you can learn, you know, countless instruments. You can always pick up a new instrument and try to get better at that. You know, there's the engineering thing, recording all that software, you know, and then there's stage, um, stage production, performing and uh, showmanship. There's so many different areas that you can constantly get better at. So it's just a, it's a never ending growing process. And I, I love, I love that, you know, cause, but anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, so, am I rambling on? I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I do want to go back, though, because I want to know. Um, so I have made a commitment to probably never have kids because I, I, I don't think I'm worthy enough to have kids, but I do have nephews. And my nephews are kind of, you know, I was in that same headspace of, you know, I have to be successful for my nephews. I have to be successful for my parents, my siblings. I just have to be successful. But then once my nephews came along and they're two and a, another one's a couple months old, I then realized that they don't care if they live in a cardboard box with you. They don't care what you look like. You may think that you're ugly, but they don't care. And then that was when I realized, oh, yeah. oh, I don't have to be successful in order for them to look up to me. They're all, they're automatically going to look up to you. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely worthy to have children. I, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I deserved to be a mom. Yeah. No, cause I made so many mistakes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was suicidal at a point, you know, and like, oh, um, like, you know, especially after like not, you know, pregnancy is not working out and 
and relationships and rehab or whatever. And, and, but I was driving downtown and I looked up and there was the St. Thomas billboard with like a hand holding like a little premature baby. And it said like, all things are possible or something like that. And I was like, I felt like that was, to me, that's, that's kind of how God speaks to me. It's always like in these ordinary moments where I'm really distraught and then I see a message in, in nature or just something, you know, and it comforts me. And I felt like, you know, in that moment, I was like, I'm going to be a mom, you know, and, um, it's the best thing ever. You know, it gives you so much confidence. And I think all those feelings of like, you know, never finishing everything. I didn't want to do that this time. You know, I didn't, I wasn't going to let my, because it's still there, you know, like the feeling like we could have done better or. But, is I, think, this really but I think, good? but I think that feeling is going to be there for everybody. Like you could have done something different. Like, I don't think there's one person there's not one person in this world that are thinking I love everything from the beginning to the end of how everything has happened in my life. No. Do, do you think like Steve Harvey wanted to be poor? No, he would have had it differently. He would not have lived in his car for a year and a half, He, he would, but he did it to become successful. But if he could change it, would he change it? Hell yeah, he would change it because everybody has that mindset of, I wanted it better. I want it better for my children. I want my children to have it better for their children. You, you, it's, it's, it's just a, it's just a mental mindset we all have. Like there, I don't think there's one person that would say, I love my life from the beginning to where I'm at now, because there's always been, yeah. somebody's always had that one chance that you've never taken because you thought it was right. But then it turns out months later, damn, maybe I should have took it. Maybe I should have taken that job. Maybe I should have went that way instead of to the right. You know, everybody has yeah. that. Everybody has that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a beautiful thing, you know? I mean, to be able to embrace the, ugly, the ugliness and the imperfection. You know, and some of my favorite recordings, you know, people are out of tune and, and, uh, you know, but if it's a, it's a moment in time that captures our, our fragility, you know, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, with this record of mine that I'm putting out, like, well, we just got this first single. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm really proud that I've finished this currently. And it's actually, you know, out there. Cause I, I haven't really, there's so much stuff that I haven't released. And yeah. because of feeling like it, you know, wasn't quite right or, but I think like, um, yeah, it's just like, you know what, if your house is a mess, you know, and don't let that stop you from having people over that you love. Or like, you know, if you, <laughs> whatever it may be, you know, like just own it, <laughs> you know? Um, 
you know, like it's hard to talk about like going to rehab and my yeah. mom's been like, don't, don't talk about that. And it's like, well, it's pretty common, you know, and made it out and, you know, maybe I could help somebody. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think that like being real is. But it's also part of your, the reconstruction of yourself. Like the foundation, the foundation was broken. There was water coming in from the foundation. You had to replace that foundation. So you, with the rehab happening, you poured more concrete, you poured more foundation and you built the walls up now and they're sturdier. You have a kid, you have a family and it, it's just all in the reconstruction. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But. Oh, totally. I was watching. Do you ever watch um, This Old House? <laughs> Never heard of it, I don't think. Oh, it's like a home renovation show. Oh, no. <laughs> These guys are like just really master craftsmen, construction guys that and the guy always says, you know, do it right the first time. But, and it kind of pisses me off because it's like, everything is so perfect, you know, but like, I don't know how, you know, we can't always do things right the, the, the first time. Sometimes you just have to like, get in there and just figure it out. And, and if it's, if it's not right, then you start over or just, but isn't you know, that but it. isn't but isn't that the beauty of real life versus television? Yeah. Like you know, I, sure. you know what I mean? Like because like you said, but I look at it this way, I'm a perfectionist and my way I have to have everything a certain way, but everyone in their own minds a perfectionist. If like you said, don't stop your house being dirty from people coming over, that's your perfection. Like you think that like it doesn't matter what you look like it's like if there's dirty dishes in a sink hey we have enough to eat there's a lot of plate dirty there's trash that means we're allowed we're able to buy stuff that we could throw away and waste and but that's perfection to yeah. other people besides just being absolutely perfect absolutely clean and tidy just it's just perfection in, in, in everybody else's eyes you know you think everybody yeah. has this like I, I am to the point where like every day, like I'm just a big germaphobe when I'm like every day I have to act like the president of the United States is coming over. He's not, but it's just like, well, what if he was? And then, but that's perfection to me. But like, like he said, who gives a shit? Your house is dirty. It's dirty. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, that's perfection to you. That's perfection to everybody else. It's all in how you look yeah. at it. I'm going to change this diaper, but I can still talk. <laughs> the life of being a mom. He's got a big, he's got a big poop. But, um, God, I did not think that's what you were going to say. <laughs> so this is our podcast, right? Or do you edit it? Hey, I, I usually don't edit, but if you want some stuff edited out, uh, I can definitely. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I just felt like I blabbed on too long. Oh no, that's oh, fine. That's gosh. fine. You, you don't understand how uh, some people some people are. Some people love to talk, and I love those people that do love to talk. Besides the people that hate to talk and still want to do a podcast. Yeah. Well, 
I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> like sometimes people want to get the whole backstory and it's hard to, yeah. to like talk I don't know but like um just wanted to make sure I wasn't being rude or something <laughs> with making sure it's a back and forth conversation no you're uh, <clears throat> so but uh is that the worst part about being a parent is having to wipe somebody else's crap? Like, uh, because I would feel I can't do that. Like, I don't know how to change a diaper. I don't know how to put a car seat in. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But I feel like that is I the never, worst part. Oh, not at all. I I never changed a diaper before either. <laughs> and um, no, I mean. I'm not afraid of a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody poops. And I actually enjoy pooping myself. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> but, um, All right, I'm almost done here. <laughs> Okay. That maybe why he was whining but, the yeah. whole time. <laughs> What's that? I said that maybe why he was crying the whole time because I don't really like using the bathroom on myself either. Yeah. Sometimes, like if we're laying down and and he's pooped, he'll just come and just put his butt in my face, sit on my face, and let me know, hey. <laughs> time to clean up <laughs> time to clean me up i'm just like Bruh. i mean he'll have his diaper on of course but anyway better hope um, so yeah i do, yeah i mean I do, many i do want to talk about a couple more things and i'll let you go and finish doing the parrot thing um i i'm, I'm a, fine i'll talk as long as you want <laughs> i'm a big I enjoy nerd. it I'm a big nerd for talk shows, and I seen where you were. Uh, I actually watched it where you were on with uh, Jamie on the Tonight Show with uh, Jay Leno. Yeah. What? What is that like being on the Tonight Show? Because for me, I would be if they were like, "You're going to be on the Tonight Show." I'd be like, "My day is made. I can die tomorrow as long as I get to be on the show." You know, what's the, what's the process like? I know you weren't. You know, they weren't asking you to do it or whatever, but what's the process of being at the Tonight Show like? Well, they film it in the day and right. um, you got to like sign up for your union after whatever, like, which kind of sucks because that was in LA and I would have gotten paid more if I'd done it here instead of LA, but I'd never had to sign up for that yet. <laughs> so, oh, but so anyway, you get paid to be I'm, on the Tonight Show? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just there to promote. I thought you were there to promote your stuff, like I'm doing the podcast. No, you get paid. Oh, yeah, shit. if you're on totally. TV. But um, yeah, I was just singing back up for Jamie, and yeah, I was pretty young then. I I might have been twenty. Or, <laughs> I was really really shy. I was really shy in my early life. Um, in general, but. I don't think I barely said a word. I met Jay Leno and I was just taking pictures every and he's like, he's just like, ah, photographer. He called me, he called me photographer. 
because I was just backstage, like, you know, because I was so shy. I was like, I just have some some kind of barrier between myself. And did you guys play? I, did you guys play limbo with uh, Jay Leno's chin at all? Was that a thing? Did we what? Play limbo with Jay Leno's play chin. With his chin? You don't understand the the the, the joke here. He's got a big chin, sticks out. Oh, right, right. I'm sorry. I didn't know. People, I guess that not. Was a thing people did with. No, he does. He does have a big chin. And he was wearing his Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. The all denim get up. And yeah, I mean, I remember being backstage and watching my sister get her makeup done. And, and I was talking to the makeup artist and I wanted to put my lipstick like way below my lip. And, and he was like, it makes you look like you don't know how to do your makeup. And Jay Leno <laughs> didn't say that, but the makeup artist. I remember putting like turquoise eyeshadow on. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, those high profile gigs, like, I mean, it was really sweet for Jamie to ask me and my other sister, Melissa, to do that. She's always been really inclusive and I didn't grow up with Jamie, but you know, we're, we're really yeah. close, but um, you know, she could have hired anybody for that. So that was really kind of her. And like, we did the Grand Old Opry. And I think you're just so nervous that it's just kind of an overwhelming moment. You know, it's like, there's the lights are so bright and you don't want to mess up. And, and so we're just standing there, you know, doing our little, side to side dance and just letting it rip as best we can you know and then it's over like that and it just all flies by but honestly I think playing the Grand Grand Old Opry was more exhilarating than the Tonight Show something about stepping out on that stage I don't know it it was just incredible but it's (laughs) also but it's also super simple besides the fact that it's historic it's historical and stuff like that but it's also just super simple yeah you don't want to make too much of it it's kind of, i think bruce springsteen said you know when you walk out on stage you have to feel like it it's the most important thing in the world and then at that same time that it doesn't mean anything you know like it's a combination of and i think that keeping that perspective that it's not that big of a deal is what is what allows you to stay authoritative and confident in that moment and not let your nerves get the best of you. But I used to like sprint before a performance. I would and you know really meditate and just like you know try to get all this circulation in me and like just like I was really like it was really, really important to me. And now a lot of times I don't even warm up at all and I just go out there. <laughs> but but either way, I always try to do my best. But when as starting out as a kid, it was like, you know, I'd go to the gigs that my parents were playing and I knew that at some point my dad was going to say, all right, folks, well, we got a very special guest and uh, my daughter and 
So I was just waiting the whole night for that. And my, I could, my stomach was just to totally torn up. And my brother and sister were having fun playing with, you know, shooting pool or just running around backstage. And there'd be like these chairs with wheels on the bottom of them and just like running down the ramp and jumping on the, the wheelie chair and just having a bunch of fun. And I could never really do that because I was like, I'm going to be called up, you know, and like, <laughs> you know, so mm. until that was over, I couldn't really have fun and relax all the way. But yet at the same time, I didn't mind because I felt like, you know, I had a duty coming up, you know, like it's a good feeling to feel like, you know, you, you can, I don't know. It's just, it's magical stuff. I think like playing music, it's a lot of sacrifices, you know, but like, it's all worth it. It's just like having a kid, you know, like I was in the ICU when I had him because I had to have an emergency C-section and I lost like two liters of blood and I didn't even get to hold him for four days. So they had me doped up on morphine and big blood bags. And, and I, I like got up out of the bed and looked at myself and I was just like flushed white. No, you know, all this blood, they cut me the wrong way or something. I might not be able to have kids again, but, but you know, he came out like he was in the NICU for a little bit, but his lungs weren't developed, but I don't care about all that stuff. I'd do it again. You know, like we made it and he's healthy and I feel really, it's such a privilege and, you know, I hope everybody gets to experience that, you know, but anyway <laughs> many the last thing i want to talk about i want to talk about this new song you got out and it's called get over it so basically this song was not initially going to be the first release uh but you felt that people needed to hear it so you was like screw it let's go ahead and release it is that right somewhat um well i wasn't planning to put out anything i was just a writer for evergreen but my publisher has always wanted me to be an artist. And from time to time, he would have me record old songs that he wrote. And the company's been there for so long that there's an old catalog. Like he kind of, it's like a time warp when you go in there. There's charts from back in the eighties that when country music had like parentheses in the titles, you know, and it was like really <laughs> strange, you know, like you stole my car, but you know, I still got the keys in parentheses or, or whatever, you know, like, I don't know, some weird, like, it was, so it's kind of neat to like sing songs that he was still hung up on. Like, Hey, I want you to, this is still a hit, you know? And, <laughs> and so I had, I had a pile of stuff that was kind of retro classic country. Like the second song on the album is one that my publisher wrote and it's like that old style and, and um, I think like uh, after having Phoenix, I don't know, I always had the idea like of just wanting to put out like 
kind of a, a country classic country album and it's not like totally classic 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 i mean there's a, quite a range of stuff on this project there's a song i wrote for my son actually and he's on there and i recorded him right after he said mama and, but um and that's kind of more of a folky thing but but well, what's, get that, over it was what's a, that feeling like of the first time the kid that you birthed says mama what what's that feeling like the first time he said mama yeah oh it's amazing i have a video of it on my instagram it wasn't the exact first time but it was like the first day i got him to say it again and and my friend was like it's a monumental day monumental <laughs> and like um because he said it all raspy he's like mama and so, um, you know, it kind of started off like, ma, 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 ma. And we weren't quite sure that he knew what he was saying, but, but uh, he knows, he knows I'm mama now. <laughs> and if I, if he hears that recording, he, he, he says it back in the same way with the rasp, like, ma, ma. <laughs> But um, I took him in the booth and and he was making all of his baby noises and squeals and like really high, like sounds like a theremin, you know? And, and then he said, mama, mama. And so every time I listened to that track, it would make me cry. It was like the most beautiful sound in the world to me. Right. Watch out now, you get stuck, you back it up and you turn it where you want to go. Remember? <laughs> this is like my saying to him because he likes to he likes to push this scroller and then he gets stuck. And I say you get stuck, you back it up and you turn it where you want to go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, and that's the great thing about parenting is you say things like and you don't realize that they're actually like life lessons. Sorry, my makeup's all smooth. You know? Yeah. And so it's kind of fun to listen back. You know, it's like everything. I don't know. <laughs> Inside for a second. It's hard for me to think sometimes. It's always. No, you're watching. Give me one. Okay. Come here, baby. Oh, but yeah, but so back on the. <laughs> so get over it. <laughs> get over it was a title that my publisher. Right. I mean, it's not easy being a parent. Hey, I'm <laughs> sometimes yeah. I just gotta put earplugs in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put this inside and then sorry, I think I accidentally <laughs> muted it. No, you're cool. Be there. Where'd the video go? Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, I look like crap today. <laughs> no, Minnie, look. But who cares? <clears throat> you're cool. Um 
so go ahead. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll let you go. Um, I know you're busy. Um, you've given me an hour of your time, and I do appreciate it. Um, but go ahead and just promote anything you want to promote. Take as long as you need to. Oh, well, the song Get Over It is available everywhere. And and it's uh, it's got that old school vibe. Feels like an old friend and something you'd hear at a truck stop diner, you know? And, or, you know, if you go and sit in the dive bar and, you know, bum a cigarette off a veteran that's sitting next to you or, or it's just somebody, you know, blue collar. Right. I, I like that, that feeling of like it. You know, like, it's just easy to listen to. And I think, like, when we wrote that song, um, I just found myself listening to it every morning. And uh, the vibe had a familiar, nostalgic kind of, like, it's not too heavy feeling. But it's just that feeling of just sitting and having a beer at a dive, at your favorite dive bar, you know, and it's like, you know, you're just kind of vibing on this. You know, it's not like you're bawling your eyes out, but you're, I don't know. I, it, there's a little bit of a, a charm, a charm to the, to the um, accumulation of experiences of heartbreak, you know, and that you get used to in this like, kind of just like a little dust on your jacket or whatever. And, and it's okay, you know, but you still want to have a beer about it, you know. That kind of vibe of country music. I don't know if you know what I mean. Oh, I, <laughs> Do you I know understand. what I'm saying? Yes, 100%. But like, And, um, you know, I think also like, I mean, the song's definitely about heartbreak and, and nursing your heartbreak. And, you know, you know that you probably don't need to get wasted, but you just want to numb the pain. And so it's like, we all have the, the saboteur archetype that you know, makes poor decisions and then we'll deal with the consequences later. And, and uh, that's just, you know, I drink about it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a vibe. And uh, I like that kind of country, you know. It's not overly clever or not really what everybody else is doing as far as the modern you know beats and stuff and I love all that stuff too but but yeah so there'll be more to come and, um, but I'm kind of like I'm going to do a Spanish version of it, actually. Oh, really? So I'm excited about that. That'll be my next. I got my friend to translate it. And then... I like... My favorite artists are, are like... Uh, 
people that reinvent themselves all the time, you know, like David Bowie and Madonna and Bjork and people that you never know what their next thing's going to be. And because, like, I got these other projects I never put out and I want to put them out too. And a lot of them aren't country at all. And a lot of people say that's like a huge mistake. But everybody's so territorial about like right. brand, branding yourself and, you know, pick your lane and stay in it. And I don't feel like that's how life is, you know? I feel like, why would you want to paint the same thing over and over again? So I want people to know that there's a lot of surprises and a lot of different things because I'm learning and growing too. And I, I like to, I like to show different sides of myself. We all have, like Meryl Streep said, we all have everybody within us. We, we feel every emotion, you know? So I think that's cool to like, um, you know, do whatever you're feeling in the moment. Right. And the pandemic and having a kid made me want to go back to that nostalgic country that I listened to in the station wagon of my dad, you know, like as a little kid, you know, 94.1 KMPS and all that kind of like country from way back then that my dad would play and um I guess like because there's a song on the album about coming from a musical family and uh it's kind of like a feels like a trucker vibe like I don't know I've always loved semi trucks and <laughs> truck stop diners <laughs> so I did my photo shoot at a truck stop and Johnny was like, you trying to look like a lot lizard? <laughs> <laughs> I never even heard that term before, but there is a good documentary about about lot lizards on uh I think it's Amazon, maybe. I found it very fascinating. Yeah. I think semi trucks give me that same nostalgic feeling that the old country music does right because they haven't changed you know when you're when you're on the road and you see like you know big 18 wheeler with chicken lights like all around the box you know like i don't know it feels like christmas or something to me <laughs> yeah and so and i wanted to feel you know i think part of the panic of our of these times we live in made me want to like garden and I was already feeling that way being a mom like we gotta like become self-sustainable and you know have a pond with fish and and um you know our own food and can it for a year and and um I think that old country music just feels like I don't know I just felt like a lot of that vibe it's kind of a winter album you know and i think like there's a lot of family family thread topics in there and just 
that feeling of a simpler time, you know? <laughs> so, and that's comforting for me because I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Yeah. I don't think any of us do. <laughs> it's been one thing after the other. I just, I just lost my sister a couple of weeks ago. One of my sisters. So, life is so precious and things move so fast and um, it, it makes me want to be creative though. It makes me want to just, you know, do stuff. We don't have know how much time we have left and there's so much to learn and, and do. I want to do a podcast too. I guess I can't call it hodgepodge podcast anymore. <laughs> I don't do think so. Hodgepodge <laughs> <laughs> garage podcast. There we'll you have go. to come up with another name. There you go. <laughs> but look, Minnie, I appreciate your uh, time you've taken, and um, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you finish being a mom. Uh, but really, I do appreciate you being on here. Oh, thanks, Dylan. It was really fun. And um love to do it again sometime and i can't wait to check out um the archives what was your favorite podcast you've done oh is man. there one if i looked it up yes uh probably my favorite that i've that i've done is uh Jeannie seeley she's a, a grand Ole opera hall of famer music hall of famer um huh. that, that's probably my favorite because it just i got to relive all the 60s and the 50s type of country and talking to her about it. That's cool. <laughs> Sounds like my nephew. <laughs> yeah. It's never too late to have kids. You sound like you really want to be a dad. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. You don't? No. Yeah. <laughs> there you go no i've learned with nephews that i really don't want to have kids <laughs> yeah well um what were the other podcasts you did that was like not about music not about music Ooh. um let's see Man, that's I'm gonna have to look that up real quick because I, I just do so I just do so many. Um I have uh, I'll check it out. Yeah, you're gonna have to check it out because I'm sitting there going like, oh man, most of these are about music. <laughs> yeah. Is country your favorite kind of music? You know, I listen like I listen to everything, but mostly like if I'm Looking at pre-orders and stuff like that, it's usually country. So I, I would say probably. Cool. Yeah. And where do you live? I live in Mississippi. Where? Oh, cool. What part?